Hello, and welcome to our weekly fireside chat. Thank you for listening to the replay. This evening, we have Jess Hudsman joining us, who is a CISO at Pinwheel. Hope you enjoy the replay. Hey, Phil. Hope you uh, made it back safely. It was great seeing you. Uh, was that last week or two weeks ago? I can't even remember right now. Uh, if you just join us, we will get started in about five minutes or so. Uh, we will get started in about five minutes or so. Thank you for uh, for tuning in. Uh, it should be an interesting conversation this evening. So let's let's get this room set up and get it warmed up and ready for our guest, Katie. Hey, Katie. Hi. Hello. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, indeed. Let me uh, get this room set up real quick. How are you, Katie? I'm good. I had a thing that just happened that I think you might appreciate. Um, I was talking to my son. I'm like, yeah, bears are on tonight. He's like, no, Mom, that's Thursday. Thursday <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. You're, you're day early. That's day early. How are those bears? Well, I'm excited because they're debuting their full orange ensemble this week. Oh, nice. Which I'm excited yeah, about. You know, I like the fashion as well as the uh, the game. That's awesome. It doesn't <laughs> matter how what their record is. They will be dressed nice <laughs> doing it. Listen, it's a young team. Um, just like as we build teams in cyber, not terrible. People, uh, you know, eager with a little less experience. Uh, but a, a bright future, not terrible. So it sounds like they haven't won a game this season. Is that no, what you're telling they me? have. They have. I was actually at. Um, they, okay. they they beat the 49ers unexpectedly at that game with all the oh, wow. rain. If you remember. Yeah, um, yeah, I think I do actually. I think yeah. they were showing replays of yeah. the players sliding. The boring. In the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, quick microphone check for you, my friend. Hey, Tomas, how you doing? Can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. I can hear you loud and clear. We're just going to get the room warmed up and ready for you. So we'll get started in about three minutes or so. Sounds so great. Let me, let me just uh, add some topics on this. I think we'll do some networking. So let's get to Hi, network. Jeff. I like, your, um, I like your picture. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Where are you uh, in that picture? So I am in a restaurant formerly called Little Frog in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Uh, nice French restaurant. Um, and yeah, it's got some nice decor there. So definitely a nice spot. Uh, where are you located? I'm in Chicago. Uh, I am going to be in New York in a couple of weeks, though. So you're, oh, you're cool. in New York? Awesome. I am. Yeah, I'm in Manhattan. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to be in Manhattan specifically, actually. Very nice. Katie, you you will be in my backyard. I was gonna tell. I was gonna send you a note. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Although I, I, I may be, I may be across the uh, the oh. pond in Europe, but uh, yeah, definitely oh. send me a note. Let me know what dates you're here now. Chat sync up. Will do. Um. All right. I missing a topic. What was? Give me another topic. Yes, no mentorship. Let's do some. But something controversial. Just maybe Ooh, put the word controversial. controversial topic. Let's see what pops up when we do that. Uh, nothing pops up. Yeah, I'm 
usually that attracts a, a crowd. <laughs> fairy tales? Fairy tales. Fairy tales. fairy tales. How about that? All right, let's do fairy tales. <laughs> okay. Anil, quick microphone check for you, Anil. Howdy, howdy. There it is. All right, look, why don't we uh, why don't we get to uh, some of the logistics, get that out of the way. Uh, I want to take, first and foremost, thank you everybody for uh, tuning in and joining us. Uh, this is our weekly fireside chat. Uh, if it's the first time you've joined us, uh, we do this every single Wednesday at around 8 p.m. Eastern time. We go for about an hour and a half or so. Uh, we'll, we will ask our guests questions for about 30 to 40 minutes, and then we will open it up for the audience to raise your hand, uh, jump up on stage, and ask a question of our guests. So in this case, we have Jess Hutzman. Jeff, uh, hopefully I pronounced your last name correctly. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, sounds good. Who's the CISO at Pinwheel? So we'll get to you, Jeff, in a, in a little bit, but um, just want to, again, just round out some of the logistics. Uh, please keep in mind that our comments and opinions are our own for the most part and do not represent our current or prior employer, at least for the majority of us on the stage. Um, obviously, this is being recorded and you can feel free to sort of take the snapshots or whatever these things are called. I think they're called clips. And share those things along your social media if you choose to do so, if you find something or hear something that's been said that uh, resonates with you. Uh, but if you are in the audience and you are a sort of reporter and you want to quote us, uh, we ask that you please just be mindful of, and we, sorry, be respectful of our opinions and uh, just connect with us offline and, and ask us if it's okay. Uh, without further ado, it is Wednesday. It is the middle of the week. Uh, let's have fun. Let's have a good time. Let's really have a, a Let's use this as an opportunity to get to know our guests a little bit more on an intimate level, get to learn about them and their origin story. Uh, so if you are a vendor in the audience and you do want to sell us on your latest and greatest product, while we do appreciate vendors, uh, because without security vendors or vendors in general, you know, we wouldn't have anything to uh, purchase and use in our companies to help keep us uh, going and make us more efficient. But this is not the time nor the place. Uh, so we ask that you please refrain from selling us on your latest and greatest solution and use this as an opportunity to really grow uh, your own self as well as uh, help us grow as a community uh, from that sort of mentorship, that networking and that particular uh, perspective. So without further ado, I'm just going to go quickly around the room. Jeff, I'll leave you for last. So I am Tomas Maldonado. I am the CISO at the National Football League. Katie, over to you. Hi, good evening. I'm Katie Hanahan. I am the Vice President of Cybersecurity Strategy for a Boutique SI out of Chicago. I also run our VCSO program, so serve as a CISO as well. Over to you, Anil. Thanks, Katie. Uh, Anil Varghese, uh, serve as a virtual CISO for our firm here in the U.S. and one out of the U.K., also the co-author of the CISO Mentor. On to you, Russell. Thanks so much, Anil. Always amazing to be here. I tell you, if you've not put this on your calendar, every Wednesday, 8 p.m., love to have you here. Russell Eubanks been in cyber for a very long time, former CISO of the Atlanta Fed. Last couple of years, been leading my own company, Security Ever After, where I help cybersecurity professionals get promoted. Over to you, Tomas. Sounds good. Thank you, team. It's great to uh, hear your voices. I know I was uh, traveling last week and I was intermittently on and, and couldn't really uh, participate. So I apologize for that, but it's great to hear your voices and uh, be back on our fireside chat. So look, we're joined by uh, by, by Jeff Hutzman. 
today. And he is, as I mentioned earlier, he is a CISO at Pinwheel. Uh, Jeff, what I usually, what, how we usually like to start these things off is, you know, why don't you introduce yourself to, to us and to the, to the sort of community at large that are listening in? And while you're going through that sort of introduction, why don't you take, you know, as much time as you want to tell us about you and your origin story? Sure. You know, this sounds uh, fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, Tomas. I think it's such an amazing program, as some of your previous guests have said. Um, so really excited to be here. And yeah, in terms of uh, the origin story, just to get a couple of fun things out of the way, I actually just returned from uh, Bora Bora for my honeymoon. I was just married a few months ago. So that was uh, super exciting. Um, unfortunately, my wife contracted COVID our June wedding. So uh, we had to postpone the honeymoon a few months, but uh, totally worth it. Had an unbelievable trip. And uh, again, I'd love to say I had a little break from work, but as a security professional, you know, there is no real break from work. Um, so uh, it, was, it was a blast and uh, really, really cool trip. Um, and yeah, back to the uh, origin story. So I've been in security for, I think it's about 13 years now. Um, I majored in computer science in college. Um, didn't know I wanted to do security then, but I knew it was interesting. I remember starting to read uh, blogs and, and articles that, that really just resonated with me. It just seemed like the internet was uh, really becoming the wild, wild west. Not quite the Wild West of like the phone freaking days, which I'm sure were just absolutely insane and something I didn't really personally get to experience. Um, but I do, you know, read the books of, you know, Kevin Mitnick and a lot of those uh, other former black hats that have interesting stories. Um, so my first job was at uh, one of the largest uh, cancer hospitals in the world in New York City doing IT. And there was a very small security function and I volunteered. This sounded really interesting, just beyond doing like Cisco networking, which was interesting in its own right. But I wanted to do something a little more uh, involved and maybe academic, say. And started doing infosec for for the hospital, and it was just really just opened my eyes to just what my career is going to become in the subsequent years. It was just you know just the there was no textbook. I mean, this is not like the beginning of the security days. This goes back, but like to 2008, so really not that long ago. But it still was at a point where like there was no like CISO. I actually don't think. I mean, you know, like uh, Gary Hayslip and a bunch of folks have those like CISO handbooks. I'm not sure if those books were out at that time, but I just do remember just telling my friends when I was describing what I did. I was like, no, there's no textbook here. We there are risks, and we need to support the organization to you know, block as much risk as we can and um, articulate. Uh, risks to executive leadership, and um, it's really just you got to learn along the way. And um, mentors were very important, but there really were no mentors I had in the beginning that really had all the answers. So I really just had to really just do a ton of networking, and I really learned a ton uh, in my years in, in healthcare. Uh, healthcare is an interesting place, and I mean, I, I, from what I read and from what I speak to other. Uh, cyber executives, healthcare is still a bit the Wild West, just with legacy operating systems and tragic ransomware attacks that have impact on, on patient care, uh, which is which is horrendous. Um, but just really opened my eyes to such small things that can happen and the tremendous impacts that they can have. So, for example, 
uh, a physician having a, you know, external hard drive, which was a lot more common back, you know, like a little over 10 years ago of tons of patient data, like that, those kinds of things are not something that your, you know, traditional scanners or, uh, you know, port scanners or other types of discovery technology is going to locate, but it just, it introduces a tremendous amount of risk. So just learning about like what policy prevents, what technical controls prevents and, um, you know, process controls and things like that were, was really the beginning of my security career. Um, and then from there, I, I jumped to a media organization um, doing InfoSec and running their incident response program, which was, uh, which was really uh, exciting. Um, and then going to consulting. Um, and, and I think that was really a great experience, just speaking in front of boardrooms, speaking with people that had in front of like folks that had like 20 years experience that had like C at the beginning of their titles. And I'm just this like 24 year old kid, like hoping that I don't like say something silly. Um, it was really just a great experience to be able to translate all of that security knowledge garnered from the aforementioned job at the hospital to solving these large business problems. Um, and then from there, um, I really, I went to Sony um, which I'm sure all the folks in this call know that Sony's had its share of uh, security um, issues, we'll say. Um, fortunately, I wasn't with those specific operating companies, but uh, I was actually working for a uh, manufacturing and distribution operating company at Sony uh, called Sony DADC. We actually manufactured um, DVDs, CDs, and the Blu-ray discs globally. And, though, and that really introduced a lot of interesting security problems, things that I haven't really seen before in terms of like the supply chain and um, just different threats and, and what kinds of risks that need to be accepted. Um, and the whole physical security component came to play for me there. Um, so that was really just a, a, a fascinating uh, role. And I was really fortunate because I was like, I think 29 at the time and to be like a quote unquote, like, director of security, so like a pseudo CISO, I guess, for a Sony operating company it was really cool. Um, it was definitely, you get that taste of imposter syndrome. You're like, am I ready for this? Um, but I was, I mean, I, if I didn't know the answer, I knew the, I knew people to reach out to, to get some ideas from and work with our leadership and, and work with my peers to uh, really bolster that organization. I'm really proud of what was accomplished there. Um, and then pressing forward, um, after um, you know my tenure there, which was for about five years, I, I pivoted over to fintech, to where I am currently. Uh, my first fintech company was a, a company called Daily Pay, um, which is an earned wage access uh, company. That uh, so, for example, you have um, folks that are getting paid, you know, biweekly. Let's say um, they're working at like a large retail provider or something like that but they need money for gas now and they've earned, you know, three, four days of, of pay. Why can't they just go and log into a portal and, and withdraw and be able to make those purchases? So it was, it was definitely a really great solution where many folks in those positions would have to resort to predatory payday loans and, and other um, things that really are not very good for their financial health. So um, you know, it was a B2B to C uh, fintech. So that obviously introduced a ton of risk. I mean, you had just a ton of, you know, we have accounts. I mean, like, how do you, how do you allow 
the good guys, the, the, the folks needing services that need to use our platform in, um, make it so it's not super, uh, really heavy amount of friction, um, but also make sure that like these sophisticated actors, you know, can't get in. <laughs> it's like, it was like, you know, it's, it's obviously not the easiest problem to solve. I think we did a really amazing job at solving it, um, or tackling it. And I was a daily pay for about two years and now I'm at pinwheel, which is another FinTech. Um, daily pay grew tremendously. It, it is something I would love to you know, talk about later on. It's just doing cybersecurity and information security at startups. I think it's just the most fun, um, I've really ever had in, in a professional setting. Um, you know, you have, it, it's a great experience. I think for younger folks to be able to experience like what, what I experienced at Sony and the aforementioned hospital, but a startup is just, you know, it's just chaos and you're trying to build a product get that product market fit and really just show investors that, you know, you're, you're building this company uh, in a robust, robust manner. Um, how do you also introduce like, wait a second, we're going to have to throw a few of these barriers in to make sure that, you know, we, we protect ourselves from a cyber standpoint. Um, so that's always, always a challenge. Um, so pinwheel was actually a, a bit smaller daily pay grew. I think I was probably, the 90th and 80th employee, and we, I think we grew up to like a thousand employees. Um, Pinwheel, uh, I was maybe employee number 40, and now we have about a little over a hundred employees and still growing. Um, and Pinwheel is uh, essentially a platform where we um, provide access to payroll platforms. So for neo banks, um, that means you can capture users' direct deposit uh, in seconds. Uh, to get them over. And if you're a lender, you can you know, retrieve income and employment data directly from a user's payroll platform to you know, underwrite loans and, and make um, you know, different decisions based on things other than just the credit score. Um, it's a really fun environment. Um, and I'm just like really happy with you know, the way things are going there. Um, that's essentially my uh, you know, elevator story about the uh, my origin. Uh, but I'd love to you know, answer any questions or, or dive deeper on any anything that doesn't interest. Sounds good. I'll pass it over to you, Katie. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, really appreciate that. Um, you know, professional origin story, and kind of can imagine you know what that felt like being a twenty-four-year-old standing in front of executives and and thinking. Huh, how did I get here? Um, but that leads me to kind of that question of, you also mentioned you love startups, you love um, the ride of that um, type of environment. And by the way, so do I. So always curious about, I mean, you even use the word chaos and you love the chaos. So I would love to know a little bit more of what is it that brought you to a point in your life that you are so you know confident and actually eager um, to embrace the chaos of something like that. But what are what what are the you know examples from your uh, whether it's you know where you came from, what you read as a child, anything? Um, just like curious. <laughs> always curious about how someone ends up uh, you know loving chaos and working in a startup. <laughs> sure, I mean this might just be from like just like watching films and reading books about kind of just like the startup life, but um, yeah, it just seems like. You know, just all of that, just innovation and folks getting together and how do we solve this problem? There's no, not the same working at large enterprise, established fortune companies is not exciting in its own right. But this was just like, okay, like we're solving something that's never been done before. 
And on top of that, we need to secure it. Um, I just thought it was super exciting. Not having any real uh, procedures or policies and things when you walk in the door. So you're just, you're, you have so much stuff to do. Um, and it was just, you know, really, really exciting. I didn't know before I you know, signed on exactly what I was getting myself into. I think there was also a little bit of financial interest. And I think at that point in my life, which actually wasn't that long ago, this, this goes back to me three, four years ago, you know, the whole concept of equity in a company, um, you know, it's private, obviously. So initially it's illiquid, but to be a part of something and to help build it uh, to something that hopefully, you know, IPOs or gets acquired like, uh, like Figment did for $20 billion uh, would be, you know, obviously a really uh, exciting and, and worthwhile endeavor. Um, but yeah, to the chaos, I think you really, it really requires a strong personality because you're going to need to step into these meetings and like really show force and say like, listen, we have to do this a certain way or we're really going to open ourselves to you know, tremendous risk. Because you have like these cavalier engineers that just want to like, oh, wait, I can do this really quick. And I'm just going to like, you know, push this for production. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, that's, that's really, really early stage. And fortunately, the two startups that I've worked at, they really valued uh, security. And that's why they made the hire. It wasn't just one of those, like, let's hire a CISO to just like say we have a CISO and then we can put his face everywhere and look, we care. Um, it was more of like, how do we do things the right way? So maybe chaos wasn't the right word for my specific example, but there is that definitely that, you know, that feeling of, um, I really need to make sure that I network well within these companies to make sure that they know who to reach out to and, and build these processes where we can do things responsibly. Yeah, no, and I wasn't calling you out on, on the word at all. It was more like just really interested in, less of what's happening now and kind of thinking about, you know, why do you care about equity? Why do you care about this company? Why do you care about FinTech? Why do you, sure. why do you want this? So what is it about you? Where do you, where do you come from? I know you live in New York. You told me earlier, <laughs> tell yeah. me more about that story. Um, and the reason I'm asking is, you know, a lot of the people who listen to this every single week are either, um, you know, starting out in their career. Um, they are thinking about cybersecurity. They're wondering, um, how did this person who's in this role, and maybe it's a role that they want, they want to know more about maybe where, you know, when they're listening, <laughs> where did you come from? Is that similar to them? Can they relate to that? So that's where I was going with it. Um, sure. No, so no, no, tell us more about that. Where did you grow up? Did you grow up on a farm? Did you grow up, uh, <laughs> like, tell us more. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I grew up in uh, the suburbs of Long Island, maybe like uh, an hour outside New York City. So New York City definitely uh, played a major role in my upbringing, just going out with friends and uh, just socializing out here. And immediately after college, it's uh, in Buffalo, where I uh, attended for four years, moved out to the city, and I've been there for um, and now it's like 12, 12 years. And, um, yeah, it definitely has an impact of having, you know, I've lived in the financial district and like wall street and, and all of that definitely probably had an impact on my decision to get into FinTech. Um, but I'm just also, I think one of the, um, most important aspects for me for securing an organization. And again, this is like going to sound kind of like cliche, but, um, like, what are the threats? You know, like when I was working in, in the factory setting and, and when I was working with, um, you know, pre-release content, like you're making sure that like folks can't get that pre-release content. 
you know, before it's been released. But like when you're in fintech, like you're protecting real dollars. And especially with the, with new, um, you know, companies, Web3 and, um, and cryptocurrency, it's just, it, the threat landscape has, has changed dramatically. And I just love the fact where like protecting real dollars um, comes into play and you have to be really, you have to be one step ahead of your adversaries and you really need to watch them from the latest things they're doing to, to steal from you and making sure that you don't miss anything, which is obviously a, a very big challenge. So that problem solving aspect, um, along with just the financial implications, you know, this isn't like, a, you know, we're not in a situation where we're like a, uh, you know, JP Morgan Chase that can go through some like tremendous breach and, you know, it's in the news for like a couple weeks and obviously everybody forgets about it. And like that it's all, and like the fine is like pennies to them uh, and it's all good. Like that's not the case of the FinTech. I mean, if there's a, a, a large breach, like that can have door closing implications. So I do, I really do think FinTech is uh, a way of the future, especially for folks that are, you know, unbanked per se, um, and really just to make uh, things a lot easier and give folks access to the money that they've earned uh, and also get, get folks uh, loans and, and, and financial products they might not have been able to get with, uh, you know, their credit score. Um, so I still think we're you know, at the way beginning of like the tech revolution. Um, I'm not sure the, the role cryptocurrency is going to play. I mean, I know it will play um, a role. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, I've been a Bitcoiner for a while, more or less just from like a hobbyist standpoint. Um, and I think like the technology is just absolutely unbelievable. Um, but how it's going to fare in whole grand scheme of, uh, like the current financial landscape is, is unclear to me at this time. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I found myself in FinTech. And I just, I think the opportunities are boundless and, um, it's just, uh, it's been a really, it's something where I, I, I really see myself uh, doing this for the foreseeable future. Uh, and yeah, it's just, it's been a wonderful ride. Well, that's, that's great. Thanks for um, a little more color. I'm gonna pass along. Uh, we have a lot of mods today, by the way. Awesome, great to see everybody. I am uh, so excited to introduce you to Anil, so I'll pass it over to uh, Anil. Thanks, Katie. Jeff, thanks for jumping in the hot seat. Uh, I think we share a connection <laughs> from the, the Sony days, so we can reflect upon that, you know, uh, after, you know, offline. But uh, really? one thing I wanted to inquire was, you know, you've had the opportunity to work across a couple of different industries from healthcare manufacturing. What are those key things or themes that you've been able to carry forward into your new role? Non-technical, non um, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, so I think just understanding incentives and understanding kind of what my role is, like who, what am I protecting for? Am I protecting um, ourselves from uh, regulatory issues? Am I protecting from adversaries? Am I protecting from, you know, the OCR for like HIPAA violations? And I think every industry that I've been in has its own group of um, things to, to consider. And I think that's really um, been something that definitely has commonalities across the industry. So, you know, in healthcare, you have HIPAA, um, 
And then when it comes to, you know, a lot of other industries, you have PCI and then you have like SOC 2 and ISO for, um, for the cloud services and just giving reputability to, um, you know, to your service for you know, folks to sign on, especially large enterprise folks and fortune companies to be able to trust you. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of that was just what are the, what are the threats? Uh, what are the incentives? And I think learning, starting out in healthcare, I think was beneficial because I, I just really remember how just given just the, the state of healthcare and how legacy, oper, um, legacy operating systems were, were a common thing. And this was a very well-funded hospital as I was at. And, I'm, and again, when I was in consulting at Deloitte, subsequent to that, I traveled the country and, and saw the state of a lot of these um, hospitals and health organizations. And it really was just defending those machines. And how do we do that? How do we can, you know, be able to provide patient care, but also make sure that these things aren't going to get locked up from like a ransomware standpoint or, or a confidentiality breach by some ransomware attack. So, yeah, I think just learning kind of how a CISO or security leader fits into the mold of an organization is something that I've kind of carried and really progressively grown as I uh, went from organization to organization. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Jeff. On to you, Russell. Hey, thanks, Anil. And hey, everybody, thanks for being here. We love this time. Uh, I've got it on my calendar. I mentioned it at the opening. 8 p.m. every Wednesday, 8 9 p 9 30 p.m. Eastern time. Love having you here at club at uh, Fireside Chat. If you're not already joined the club, click the green Monopoly House. We'd love to have you get notified. It doesn't cost anything at all, so you can know when future meetings, future conversations just like this are happening. We love all the feedback that we get from others with respect to this time that we've been spending for gosh, close to almost two years now we've been doing this and it's just an amazing uh, time for each and every one of us. And I tell you, Jeff, thanks so much for being here. Love the fact that you're here with us. And so I've got a question. So you've talked about your uh, your tenure in different industries, discrete different industries. Uh, and now you've been privileged to work in fintech, which you mentioned, privileged to work in healthcare, which you mentioned. If you were to say to someone, hey, here's why you should consider like pros and cons of fintech versus healthcare. Love to hear kind of your experience, what you would give advice to someone who is like, ah, I'm not sure which area to work in, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Uh, I think they both have their, um, you know, positives and negatives. Um, um, yeah, as a, uh, personally, I think in my experience, I, again, I really love the fact when you're protecting real dollars. But again, I also really appreciate so I, I come from this background where I, I want to do good. I and mean, obviously I'm, I'm getting compensated for my work, but I want to do something that has an impact. And I think there's really impact for, you know, in all of these industries, but I think healthcare has maybe a, a special place for, for impact, protecting patients' confidentiality, ensuring that the most vulnerable aren't having their um, records floating around the internet, or especially, you know, diagnosis that um, shouldn't be viewed inappropriately either externally or internally. So um, that I think is something that I would say to uh, folks considering um, different industries. Um, but again, again, in FitTech, the protecting real dollars and just the amount of adversarial interest in um, 
and stealing funds and, and infiltrating systems. It's just not, it's like nothing I've seen before. Again, I mean, I, I haven't been in um, the government military space. So I'm sure there's you know a lot of uh, that going on there as well, uh, especially for you know secrets and, and whatnot. Um, but in fintech, there's absolutely um, just tons of again adversarial interests, which I find just absolutely fascinating. So having to be able to you know monitor these groups, see what kind of techniques they're using, and be a step ahead. And, and really just constantly, like I'm a firm believer, um, again, this is kind of tailing off a little bit from your question, but just to, to show my passion for FinTech, I'm a firm believer in just really technical, you know, red team exercises and penetration tests to really just rip our systems apart and, and find uh, potential avenues for exploitation, um, whether that be externally, um, but also internally. I mean, insider threat is a big thing too. You have you know, disgruntled employees, um, but you also have folks that uh, maybe they'll make a mistake. Maybe they, they click the phishing email. Like, I mean, a lot of the recent um, security incidents we've read in the blogs. Um, so those types of things I do not take lightly. Um, so yeah, so I think I would just, you know, if I was to mentor or advise somebody about what industry to go in, I think like things about like compensation and those, those differ between the industries. Um, but yeah, I think uh, just the type of data you'd be protecting, maybe some of the internal politics of how security is valued throughout the organization. Um, I think that definitely plays a role. Um, and what kind of act and what kind of resources either you're going to build or you'll have access to. Like for example, a, a hospital might not have like a SOC or like you know uh, threat experts. Uh, but if you go to a big bank, you're going to have all of that. You'll have fusion centers and all the resources you're, you're really going to need um, to combat the threat and, and alleviate risk. Um, so I've been fortunate to see those types of things, especially at a Sony where, you know, in the um, aftermath of like a very, very public uh, Sony Pictures incident, um, you know, the team grew dramatically and... Um, having like a big uh, sock and global security function. And that was my first exposure to that. And I thought that was really, really great as an early security leader, um, kind of in my like director of information security days to be able to go and say, okay, so I don't understand this exact threat. Um, so I'm gonna reach out to a threat expert at our global security function. They can kind of help me um, help my organization. So I think that was really like, there was a great you know, training wheel, so to speak. To be able to then go to a startup where I am literally like the person along with my you know small team uh, to combat threats, uh, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Hey, I appreciate that insight and the diverse experiences that you've had. Uh, I'm going to pass over to Naveen. Naveen, up to you. Uh, thank you, Russell. Jeff, nice to meet you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Likewise. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you an easy one. So, uh, security. <laughs> practitioners, it's hard enough for us to convince the engineers and the product developers to not go so crazy in a startup, especially a fintech where you're surrounded by so much ideas, energy and passion to get things out. What are some of the tools and tips that works for you to get them to pause and think about security and the importance of it on the backdrop of, as you said earlier, all the chaos and the urgency to be great? 
Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. And that literally is what my job is. Um, and I think that the best way to do that is to make sure that they understand that we are on the same team and not to have that adversarial relationship, to which I see is very common. Like when people are rolling their eyes at the security person's coming around, it's really not a good start <laughs> to the person's tenure. So for me, it's um, not being the person of no. Um, obviously, we, our business needs to grow, but we need to grow responsibly. So really setting expectations and being a part of conversations. So I would make sure at the beginning, I mean, alongside meeting all of our, my executives and stakeholders, I want to be a part of these engineering conversations. What are they trying to do? Uh, what are they trying to build? And sometimes it's like a lot, as everybody on this um, you know, clubhouse, I'm sure, knows, it's so much easier to get good practices in the beginning. And if I can articulate that, not only to the engineers, but also to the executive leadership, and, and they you know, have my back as well, we can do so much good where um, we can almost use like security as a competitive advantage, which I know some folks say, well, it shouldn't be, or they should just be like securing the organization, and not really uh, telling folks how great you are. Not to say you would ever say how great you are, it almost puts a target on your back in security. But um, yeah, I really think that um, just things like that and just being a member of the team, uh, working with the engineers and, and not being a major roadblock um, has been tremendously successful and, and doing the normal like user you know, training, but the tailored training, not just like the, <laughs> you know, there's like the computer based training that all folks get at a company, but really giving them things that's tailored to the language um, that they're primarily using, um, the threats to the language that they're primarily using, and really just being a resource for them um, and just doing constant checking. Like in technology, you know, we always talk people, process, and technology, but giving them the tools, training them on the tools to do like, you know, uh, static code analysis and um, dynamic scans on their stuff and, and putting all that in CICD, um, really just making it almost so it's hard for them to not go through at least some of my gates um, to find flaws. And we'll always have other processes, like we're going to do ad hoc testing, as the aforementioned red teaming and things like that. Um, but I really just, I want to, it's also important to make it clear to these engineers that, you know, there's, there are a lot of threats out there. I mean, we'll look at logs together. We'll look at what's going on. Um, and I found, especially in FinTech, that this is very clear to them. I mean, they know this. I mean, we're, they read about it too. Um, and nobody, especially when you have these, you know, when you're in these FinTech and these startup environments, like all these engineers are owners of the company. I mean, they're all, you know, shareholders or, you know, they have equity. They really, not saying that companies that have folks that don't have equity don't care, but like these are, I mean, they, they don't want their company to be abused. And they especially don't want their customers, uh, vulnerable customers or again, patients from the aforementioned healthcare environment to be abused. So I think um, just placing yourself, really getting yourself around, not being too burdensome on folks um, has been really successful for me to, uh, secure my organizations thank you jeff if all else fails take them out for drinks man that'll be my <laughs> exactly my right exactly thank you for that jeff i'm going to pass it over to octavia thank you thanks naveen and before we kind of move on i did want to acknowledge that um october is hispanic heritage month so 
to all um, those who are you know, Latinx, uh, you know, happy Hispanic Heritage Month. I know we, October is a lot of happy months, right? It's breast cancer awareness, it's cyber security awareness, but I definitely want to acknowledge that um, our Hispanic community who does so much for our cyber community, um, we appreciate you guys and we love everything that you bring to our uh, community. So Jeff, uh, one of the things that is interesting to me is like you talk about, you know, your days growing up in New York and Wall Street kind of looking at, you know, those people in suits and stuff. And I'm wondering, you know, you're currently CISO at Pinwheel and, you know, you, you talked about, you know, really being interested in security and kind of like, you know, chaos and bringing in regulations, but what's your end game? Right. I know my role, like my end game is not to be a CISO like forever in a day. But what what about Jeff? Like, what do you want and where do you see yourself in 10 years? Wow, that's a good one. Um, yeah, thanks for that. It's a nice uh, outside the box question. Like something you get in like a job interview. Like, oh, God. Um, well, the worst job, the worst interview question you get is the what are your flaws? But, you know, anyway. So, um, so yeah, in terms of where I'm looking to go in the next 10 years, I, again, right now, I'm, I love being a part of a leadership team of a fintech company that I believe is changing the world. And in 10 years, I, I think if I'm doing the same thing, uh, I think I would be happy if we can build this one to a successful exit and, and do something else um, and, and maybe co-found my own startup, um, whether it be security centric or something else, uh, I think would be really, really cool as well. Um, I've done a lot of dabbling in, um, you know, as I mentioned before, um, I don't know, I'm not sure how much this is influenced by being in the New York area, but then the cryptocurrency and giving my skills of you know, writing code, I've done some like cryptocurrency arbitrage trading um, some really interesting stuff there um, so maybe that'll have some a form of uh, you know involvement in my life in the next 10 years uh, I think on a personal level I see I'll probably have uh, a couple of kids in tow uh, maybe move out of the city and uh, move to the burbs but we'll see uh, I'm still kind of drawn to the excitement of New York and, and all it has to offer um, but it is very compelling to maybe move back to the burbs and have some space and backyard and, and have barbecues and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I really just love the, and as we've said, I mean, Katie's great question and, and some of the other great questions. I just, I, I love being not only like a, a CISO, uh, executive at the table, but also like a hands-on practitioner. Not to say that CISOs can't be effective, non-technical uh, CISOs can't be effective, because I, I think they absolutely can. I mean, there's so much uh, human elements to, uh, to leading a successful security program. But I just love being the person where, like, if there's a situation, I'm going to die behind the keyboard and, and get involved. Uh, and this might be right after I gave a presentation to the board of directors. So that's why I love this space so much. Uh, and it really, really gets me going. Not to say that I won't, you know, Maybe five, ten years from now, I end up as a, you know, an executive in, in a, a large financial organization. Maybe that will will pique my interest at some point. But right now, I'm just enjoying the ride 
of um, the startup space. And uh, I think uh, we'll see if this continues for the foreseeable future. Um, thanks for that. Um, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to like seeing where you go and, and what you want to do. And once you pin that down, um, that'd be awesome. Uh, good luck to you. Go on over to Hussein. Thanks so much. Hi, Jeff. Uh, thanks for coming on tonight, sharing your story. Uh, so question me being in the healthcare for the last 20 years, running security, wanted to hear your thoughts about what discouraged you from healthcare into, you know, financial markets uh, as a CISO. And also, you know, backing up to what Octavia was saying, what is your next, you know, where's your passion outside of security in terms of professional careers? Sure, yeah, no, thanks for that. And um, I think that's really, really interesting. Even, you know, healthcare for 20 years, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think it just happened to be my, it was my interest in pursuing different things. I don't think there was anything about healthcare where it's like, oh, I need to get out of here. I think it was more of like, I'm learning a trade um, of how to address cyber risk and where can I use these skills to benefit organizations. Um, so yeah, so no, uh, I mean, my, I can definitely see myself in five years doing security leadership for a healthcare company. I think it's totally feasible. Um, definitely just different approaches and it would obviously depend like, you know, healthcare providers. I mean, it was just really interesting, interesting to see when I was consulting these like small town hospitals and some of the, you know, the lack of security in some of them, um, and, and be able to have a pretty large impact in, in a short period of time. Um, so yeah, so no, definitely no knock on healthcare. I think, I mean, it's obviously tremendously important healthcare cyber. Um, so yeah, it's definitely uh, something that I would definitely consider in the future. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I do really just appreciate the, um, the excitement of, as you said, like financial markets and the movements of money and, um, the threats against it. Like, I think when, again, when like cryptocurrency and web three started, you know, becoming, um, popular in the news, just the threats there. And like, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. The. Like the exploitation of the blockchain and, and the algorithms and the and all of the you know the core code yields these like hundred million dollar things that are happening on a hundred million dollar breaches that are happening on a daily basis. So it's really just just things like this are obviously horrible, but they just keep me interested in understanding these threats and how to thwart them uh, and how to keep an organization safe from this these threats. Um, but I also think that the, you know, this is something that I haven't really dabbled in in a while, but like medical device security, and I'm assuming that those are things that, that are, are priorities for you. And I, I'd be curious, you don't mind if I can actually uh, ask a question back to you. What, what do you see the biggest um, threats and things of interest in healthcare information security right now? Wow. Um, so, you know, I, I we didn't give a disclaimer earlier. I got on a little bit. Late. My apologies, but uh, and we're we're not generally talking about anything related to our particular you know industry. Sure. But I'll say healthcare's matured a lot. 
right? And the threats are no different than any other industry. A healthcare operations does anything that any other organization does, supply chain, financial management, revenue cycle management. You know, there's no difference in how a large healthcare operation from provider payer operates than any other large business would operate. The risks are the same. The operating methodologies are the same, you know, so uh, just like any other manufacturing or banking is, you know, prone to a phishing attack or infiltration of an adversarial, uh, you know, entity to gain access and then move around and either steal data, cause a ransomware incident. So uh, it's there. Unfortunately, we've seen some large enterprise healthcare uh, you know, facilities, I would say, have, uh, you know, fallen, you know, victim to that. But then again, if you look at the the reports, healthcare falls down to like 10th or 11th, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the sequence of victims, right? So they're usually financial companies, entertainment and others of targeted first and then healthcare comes. But yes, the impact is immediate when something happens in healthcare because it's a critical infrastructure services organization, right? So you're right there, but, but the threats are there and, you know, we continue to fight again. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's really helpful and, uh, and interesting. And I think one thing that a lot of startups have is they're able to, they don't need to contend with like a bunch of legacy technology that like maybe some like research scientists are saying, you know, we need to use this thing. And like, it's, you know, running windows NT4. I mean, I jest, but like running some legacy software and you guys can secure this, right? Uh, at startups, I mean, the startups that, uh, you know, started maybe two, three years ago, I mean, we get to handpick new technology and we can, again, not saying the new technology isn't prone to exploitation. It absolutely is. Um, but you can really decide, uh, design from the ground up um, a robust and, and layered and secure architecture. So I think that's one of the definite positives of like, the early stage startup game. Um, but again, resourcing is obviously you know a challenge. You're not going to have the you know the 500 person security team that some of these are. I mean, I'm sure they have more um, that some of these large fortune companies have. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I thank you for that uh, insight to healthcare currently. It's really interesting. Thank you for your insights. Uh, over to Stephen. Thanks, Hussein, and thanks, Jeff. Uh, I, I was a few minutes late as well, so I probably missed the intros, but um, I, I'm Stephen Garcia, and I run cybersecurity over at FanDuel. Uh, traditional disclaimers apply, all thoughts of my own, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, look, I, I was just at the uh, National Association of Corporate Directors, or NACD, over the weekend in D.C., and for those who you don't know, this is where kind of all the directors or a lot of directors from across the country get together, and it's a good place to really find out what's on the minds of directors across the country. And I lost count how many times I heard the phrase, uh, the war on talent is our biggest risk, and there'd be this pause, and then they say, after cybersecurity. So I thought it was really interesting that, you know, that we're at this point where the the topic of what we do here is really on the minds of, of a lot of boards. And I'm bringing this up because they had the CISO of Equifax and the chair of the board really up there talking about lessons learned because we all know Equifax went through something pretty major. 
And um, I was thinking about the pitfalls of certain roles that we do in security. And so, I, you know, like, for example, when I came to FanDuel, I, I wasn't really explained that as an employee who may have access to certain data, I then have to get licenses for the states for gaming for the states that we work in, effectively saying I can't gamble in any state that we do business in. Now, for me, right. no big for me, no big deal. I'm not really a gambler like that. But I'm curious, like in that same vein, what are the challenges for you? Because if I recall correctly, Pinwheel, um, it, I think you guys classify under the, like the, the consumer reporting agency rules, which means that you kind of got that same exposure that like an Equifax would have. And so I'm curious, like, you know, it's different than like your traditional fintech and, and what some other roles are going to have uh, on top of your traditional regulatory stuff. So did you know that going in or the kind of pitfalls that you say, hey, you know, if you guys came into this industry, this particular vertical, like maybe you might want to watch out for that for, for, for people who are still kind of getting into this? Because, I mean, I would definitely give people now a heads up. Like if you're going to FanDuel and you like fantasy football and, you know, you, you play daily fantasy, this might not be the place for you, right? So stuff like that. Is there anything like that that you could share? Um, not really. Um, I'm not sure there would be much warning there. I mean, so I guess like what specifically do you think with regards to CRA, like what, what do you think would be like a, a warning or like a, would dissuade someone from getting into the space? So yeah, when you think about like the credit reporting agencies like Equifax, TransUnion, et cetera, these business models, and there's a whole lot I got to say about that, but just limited to we as the <laughs> yeah. consumer didn't have a choice, right? Like, once you got credit, you didn't get asked, hey, would you mind if Equifax was your, you know, like your, yeah, right. your you know, so like, like you just are part of it, right? Like this whole FICO system that the U.S. is on and some other country, like, like you're a mandatory customer, right? So that kind of opens up like different avenues of places that you need to be careful. And so because you guys fall on the CRA, I, I would wonder if, if there's uh, specific things that you got to watch out for that, you know, for example... Like when I was in blockchain and crypto, you know, it was still fintech, but that was never a concern for me where I would imagine, you know, you would be in the hot seat if something went wrong on the pinwheel side because of the nature of your business. So just curious of like what particular lessons learned there were. There. Yeah, no real lessons learned. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing to, to note there. Um, but definitely an interesting point. Um, totally understand from a... Um, Know, the gambling standpoint, I could see if uh, folks do appreciate that industry, they might not want to get into you know, the fan duel or draft game space. But uh, yeah, nothing, nothing really of note. All right, thank you. Um, oh, I think I was the last one on, on, on the uh, panel here for questions. Uh, so, uh, Tomas, I'll pass it back to you. Thanks, Stephen, and thanks everybody for, uh, for for joining in on that sort of uh, conversation. Um, Again, this is our weekly fireside chat. Uh, if you are a first time listener, we thank you for joining us. I do see a little party hat of celebration hat in the audience. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, there's a little greenhouse on the top left of your screen where it says fireside chat. You can click that little greenhouse and you can join our fireside chat club and it'll allow you to see or listen to uh, prior sessions that have been recorded and it'll allow you to see uh, who's coming up next uh, in, in our session next week? So uh, we ask that you please join our club and join our community. Uh, if you do have a question and you do want to jump on stage, uh, feel free to raise your hand. There's a little uh, option on your app to raise your hand, and we will bring you up on stage. Uh, and if you can't talk for whatever reason, feel free to put a question in the chat, and I will read it off 
live. Um, I will ask you, Jeff, I'll ask you a question. I, I usually like to ask this question around uh, books and reading and, and things that keep, uh, not only CISOs, but just leaders in general um, up to speed on what's going on and, and maybe just educational things that you're reading. What are you reading? What What is in your reading list or audible list? What, what do you uh, like to consume uh, to keep yourself educated? Yeah, no, I think that's... Um... Oh, can you still hear me or am I, am I cut out? No, no, you're good. Oh, wait, you're, I'm sorry. I think I... You are good. Oh, I'm good. All right, perfect. So, yeah, so I mean, I think um, I, I read like a bunch of different things. I mean, I just uh, recently finished uh, Apollo's Arrow, which was uh, written by Nicholas Christakis on, on the, the COVID pandemic. Um, I'm a big listener of um, Sam Harris, who's a his, uh, his podcast. Uh, he's an academic and interviews a lot of uh, folks and um, just thought leaders in their industries. And I think that definitely has applicability into cyber. I really just try to learn as much about different disciplines as I can and then apply that to, to what I'm doing. I read a really interesting book recently. It was, um, it's by the author um, Leonard Mladenow. It's called The Drunkard's Walk. Uh, which talks about um, randomness in our lives and things that we think are due to performance and, and ability, but they a lot of them are just literally due to, to blind chance, um, which obviously has a lot to do with security as well. Um, so yeah, I try and, um, you know, I, I do purchase a lot of the, the new CISO handbooks, and I'll be honest, I, I, sometimes I skim them a little bit, um, just to kind of get some core principles. I'm, I'm actually looking at my library right now. Um, and something actually, some books that I find absolutely fascinating um, and, and are super helpful um, are uh, books on like open source intelligence techniques. And there's uh, Michael Brassel, who's a, a former uh, FBI agent who, who writes a lot of these books on uh, how to use uh, open source intelligence. And I think that is definitely a, a big aspect to my job just again given the small team we have a lot of tasks to do and sometimes this open source intelligence is uh is super helpful um and other things i'm reading i try and stay up on all of the the languages uh programming languages <laughs> so i know this is not like real like novel reading but um i try and just from a, from a tech standpoint thing so i'll i'll purchase like I'll purchase dummies books on, on like on certain aspects of, of our tech stack just to ensure that, you know, I can speak intelligently about it. I can make intelligent decisions if I'm not, um, you know, an expert on the matter. So yeah, it's definitely a diverse uh, library at the moment. Cool. Thanks for that. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to Katie. She's got some lightning fast questions to uh, to ask you. <laughs> Katie. Yeah, VJ normally does this. Um, and he's he was unable he's on a train. So he wasn't able to ask the questions. Sometimes it's fun. Um, just to go through maybe we're going to ask you five questions uh, really quickly in a row. Um, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Number one, if someone were to play you in a movie, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't want to be pretentious here. Uh, who I'll say Matthew McConaughey. My grandma says I look like Matthew McConaughey. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that one. Okay. Well, that leads me to my next one. How about this one? Uh, what is your favorite movie? 
I would say my favorite movie is um, Mulholland Drive. What's that? See, there's a lot to unpack there. Isn't that fun? Okay, next one. It's a twofer. First concert, last concert. First concert was the, um, I believe it was Metallica or the the uh, Goo Dolls. Um, and last concert was, um, what did I see? I honestly, I, I don't even remember the last time I've been to a concert, so it's been a while. I do like going to uh, Jones Beach. It's like such an amazing venue there, just being near the beach and just, uh, yeah, the acoustics are amazing. But yeah, sorry, I just I really don't remember. Um, well, I guess like most millennials, um, you have that whole two years of COVID that you lost as well. So right, that. this is true. Okay, next one. Uh, number four, um, what's the last text you sent? Um, it was to my father-in-law to tell him, uh, when he should come pick me up from the city. Um, we were going to go back to Long Island and, uh, spend the weekend. So, uh, yeah, so that's it. Wow. We could all use a nice father-in-law to come pick us up. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. See, it's, it's telling. All right. And then number five, um, when is the last time that you were truly afraid? Oh, wow. Could have been you almost got hit by a car. Could have been you thought someone's breaking into your apartment. It could have been you yeah, had to would say, your board. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I would say, and this is like a, really because I'm a numbers person, but it, it was really a bit of a, an irrational fear. But so I told, uh, I think I, I spoke about my trip to Bora Bora, and that was a three leg trip. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty long. I mean, we had the flight from, um, you know, New York to LAX to Tahiti, and then to Bora Bora. So that flight returning from Bora Bora to Tahiti had some, and I've been flying around you know, the world since I was younger for work or just for, for other things. And I've experienced turbulence before, but this was a very small plane that literally was just like the bags were falling out of the, um, you know, the overhead bins. And you tell yourself, you're like, this happens. And it's not like, you know, this is, you know, it hasn't been an accident in X, Y, Z years. And it's not that like, you just, when you're in like a little metal tube suspended 30,000 feet in the air, like sometimes you just even, you know, rational thoughts like that. So that was uh, definitely a very uh, fearful moment for uh, the 45 minute flight. Well, thank you for participating in our rapid fire questions. You, <laughs> you. are correct. Yeah. I don't know if you guys watch James Corden. I love that guy. He's always like, and you are correct. <laughs> and over to uh, and over to uh, Tomas then to uh, carry on the room. Thanks again, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Katie. Those are awesome questions. Hey, Jeff, there's a question in the back chat from uh, one of our audience members who who can't come up. Uh, so, a question from Matthew. Um, I would be interested to know if employees at Pinwheel and Jeff in particular take advantage of the unlimited. PTO, or if the stress of taking days off keep people at work? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a really great question. And I think one of your you know, your previous guests on the, on the show um, spoke a lot about remote work and, and that's impacts on employee mental health and whatnot. So for, and I don't want to sound like I'm just like, kind of like speaking super highly and just like you know, giving PR answer, but I really truly mean that we're very big about saying, take your, your paid time off. 
Um, I think it's tremendously important. If someone's not taking it, we're definitely going to approach them and say, take time off. Um, we do have, I mean, we're a tech startup, so, you know, we have like 75% of our company's engineers. So there's no, we, we don't, you know, silo folks where it's like, oh, Jack is out and now, you know, we can't do this. Or if there's a problem, then like, you know, we have to call him and he's in the middle of the rainforest. So we, we definitely uh, encourage folks to take it. PTO, unlimited PTO actually means unlimited PTO. I mean, as long as you can get you know, your mandate and your work done. Uh, so yeah, I think that it absolutely is a benefit. I think some companies maybe don't treat it as such. I mean, maybe they're, you kind of almost get potentially pressured to say like, it's unlimited, but like, you know, you have a year's worth of work to do. So I think it somehow squeeze it in, but we make it very, um, very easy for, for folks to, to take the time off they need. So it would be a really great question. Awesome. Uh, Mods, any, any, anyone else have a, have a, oh, I do see Irvin on stage. Sorry. Let me uh, pass it over to Irvin. Over to you. Anything you want to ask, Jack? Sorry, I, the mute thing always gets me. So, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, I all I, I absolutely have a question for you, and it's a question I ask every guest, and I apologize to the moderators because it will sound similar. Um, I just wanted to take a quick second. Um, I know one of our topics is mentorship, and I wanted to call out Russell. He taught a class for the Army about a month ago, and Russ, I wanted to let you know that everyone who took the SANS test from your uh, – your topic passed today. So that was a hundred percent pass for you. I, I know you love pouring into the community. Um, you introduced me to this platform, but I just wanted to let you know that we all pass and it's a hundred percent. Thanks to you. Thank you for that. Um, oh my well, gosh. Congratulations. Yeah, That's no, we, awesome. uh, yeah. Um, Jeff, we are at the beginning of our journey and you, and everybody here is um, like has a ton of experience. Would you recommend, because we're transitioning, I, I bring it up every week and I apologize in advance, um, but we're transitioning from a very structured organization to this kind of wild west of what job do you want to do in cyber? And we're like, there's more than one job. Um, would you recommend organizations that have large um, cyber teams where we can kind of fade into the background and kind of just learn? Or would you recommend just like, like you, like you did, like, go to a startup and just jump into the deep end and figure it out as we go. What, what would you recommend to, to people at the beginning of their journey? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. And I think it definitely depends a little on some of maybe their work in their, their schooling and university years that they did have. So, I mean, I feel like a lot of the universities have these cyber programs of some, I know someone mentioned on this, on this call so far that, um, or actually, I think on a previous call, they are you know, working on an MS in cybersecurity. Uh, so I think it definitely depends on your experience. But I, I do I do think a little bit of experience in that fade in the background where you are not the guy or gal for any specific thing. And like the world's not going to explode if you don't do X, Y, Z. Uh, I think that is a great place to start. I mean, I had that at... Um, you know, in consulting, I also had that in the, at the hospital. I mean, this was a... When you think of hospital, you usually think don't you don't think large security programs, especially in two thousand eight when I was doing this. But this is a huge 
hospital system. So I had support and folks that were a lot more experienced than me. So I do think the mentorship thing in security is tremendous because I think we all know that just knowing to how to write code really well, or even how to like, you know, write exploit code and, and, and do pen testing or red teaming still doesn't make you a great security professional. You need those human elements and, you know, business acumen to be able to bring issues, uh, network with folks and be able to learn kind of, you know, what does, what does a CEO care about? Like, it's, what, what does he think of the biggest security? He or she thinks they're the biggest risks. So, yeah, I think, I think my recommendation to folks starting out would be to really just diversify and really just have a mentor that's, you know, has done it and is in a place where you want to go and find out the, the areas where you, you need to learn. So maybe that'll start, maybe you start at like a big company you kind of see what's out there. Like when I was at Sony, I mean, there were departments for everything and getting like threats and offensive security, detection response, kind of learn what all those things are. And it was great, again, being in my position where I was a director of security and operating company, where I just like reached out to all these departments. I'd say, okay, like, so what can this, what can your, you know, shared service security department do for us? And what can you, and so then just learning that and then if, you know, the aforementioned um, a young uh, person that wants to start in the field, maybe they'll see one of these like, shared services. Oh, wow, that sounds awesome. I want to get into that. Or they want to take the management route and like kind of be a jack of all trades. So, yeah, I think starting um, in a, a large organization where you can fade to the background and then taking those skills to go to a startup where they're going to be like, hey, like you're now our security person. <laughs> like, just like figure it out. Um, I think that's, I think a good logical progression. That, that's a great answer. I appreciate the roadmap that, that helps us, uh, give us some guardrails. So thank you for that. Of course. Thank you. Thanks, servant. Thanks for, uh, thanks for asking your question. Hey, Pamela, how are you? Hey, how are you? Anything you want to ask, uh, Jeff? I'm doing fantastic. Anything you want to ask? <laughs> yeah, I have a, I have a quick two-part question for Jeff. So my first question for Jeff is, if you were not the CISO at Pinwheel, what would you be? That is a great question. And I think if I was not the CISO of Pinwheel at a company to which I think, again, we're, we're changing really the, the space of finance, I think maybe I would be starting my own uh, company, um, what that company is. I haven't thought of the idea yet, but if you know anything, if you think of anything, please, you know, hit me up in a DM because I'm definitely open to ideas. Um, but, um, yeah, so maybe something along those lines, or I've also considered going to the law enforcement route. I, I, I think there's something truly special about, again, protecting the most vulnerable and, um, so I think, and especially in, in the site where I have my skills in, in cyber, so whether it be for like, you know, the FBI or other uh, federal agencies um, has also been uh, something I've considered over the years. Um, but just the current track that I'm on in FinTech, I'm just very, very content. So uh, this is, I think, where I'm going to stay for now. But I think, I think cybersecurity gives folks so many options of, of areas to go into. And I think there's definitely a, a huge need across a spectrum of different industries. Um, as I said, like in my story, like I was in healthcare and finance, I was doing 
consulting for a um, you know, medical device company and all this types of interesting stuff. So I think it's just such a wonderful field to be in. Um, so yeah, tons of options. And so yeah, I think those would be the, the couple of things I might do if I wasn't doing what I'm currently doing. And that piggybacks on my second question, which is what advice would you give to someone who aspires to excel in cybersecurity, but has no interest in becoming a CISO? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think the answer to that is, and this goes back to the previous question, try and read, I mean, I'm sure there are, are, are books and something I would love to look into for you uh, about the different aspects and different uh, types of cyber careers. But again, I think it's really great to work at a large company and just show your manager your interest in branching out and, and seeing what's out there. So I mentioned like at a large company like Sony, where I work, there's a global shared service security organization to which all the operating companies, for example, like Sony Pictures, Sony Music, and all the other companies leveraged for, for security services. Um, so it was just, it was such an unbelievable opportunity for me to go out to uh, Virginia where this you know, shared service is located and just walk around and say like, so what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And it's very likely you'll find something that is interesting to you. And, um, and then a lot of these companies are, are very amenable to, for, to change course and, and to go into something like that. So I think just seeing all the different types of security roles uh, would be such a great thing for someone like you or, or um, you know, an early um, uh, person in their cyber career to, uh, to look into because, you know, some people just get pigeonholed into one area when they might've been so much better off in, in, in something else. So I think just, uh, I think the large companies, it's a great way to pursue that. Thanks, Jeff. Of course. Thanks, Pamela. Thanks, Pamela. Thanks, Pamela. Thanks for uh, asking your question. There is a question in the chat uh, before I get to uh, DJ. There is a question in the chat. And the question is, not everyone is suited to work in a startup, skills aside. What traits or temperament is needed to be a successful security person in a startup? Hmm. I think the, and this, and not saying this doesn't exist or would be required in a large company, especially for security executives. I mean, they need to be, um, have exposure to all the different facets of security and different, different things there. But a startup, I really think you need to be able to answer questions and, and, and be a subject matter expert in things that you might never really worked with before. So you need to apply, you know, your security principles and ask probing questions to folks to be able to help solve their problem. Um, and so I think just being dynamic and a quick study and someone who's willing to, you know, at the end of the day, be like, oh, I'm going to go home and just spend maybe a couple hours reading about this um, new project or, or new tech stack that maybe a couple of engineers want to use. So I think you're, you, you almost have to play like investigator and you really just need to be the one that, and answer anything. And you can't be afraid to ask folks. I mean, I think that's why I think this um, security community is so strong. I think this group here is amazing. Um, but you have like things like Ivanta that does like those CISO events and there are a lot of other ones. Um, I think speaking with your peers 
um, I think it's great too, to be able to, again, get knowledge that maybe you just didn't have. So yeah, I think just being super dynamic, um, is, is really what, um, is required in a startup environment where you might be the only security person. So it's like your, your first few weeks, you're going to get some, an engineer is going to be come up and like some of these engineers, these non-security engineers will just think, oh, this is a security person. He or she knows the answer to my question. I mean, you might have no, any idea. It's almost like I, my brother used to joke, my brother's an attorney. Um, and like, you know, right when he got his law degree, like, you know, our uncles were asking questions about like law. Like, it's not, I mean, like, it's just not how it works. You know, like, or like asking a doctor about like some completely irrelevant or something like not in their um, expertise or their, their focus. So yeah, I think um, just the ability to stay dynamic the ability to the desire to, to learn more, um, I think is really required at a, in the startup environment. Thanks, Jeff. And thanks, Nanette, for uh, asking your question in the chat. Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, thanks, Nanette. Uh, uh, DJ. What it is, yeah. what it do, dog? How's it doing? How's it going? It's going, it's going, man. Go for it. Go for what? Uh, anything you want to ask Jeff this evening? I ain't, I ain't got no question for my man, <laughs> but uh, I hope he's uh, I hope he's having an absolutely blessed night, though. Yeah, thank you, DJ. Definitely having a great night. Nice, cool night in Manhattan. Um, great day. So yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for the well wishes. Sounds good. Jenny, over to you. Anything you want to ask Jeff? Sure. Hey, Jeff. Great information so far. So I work in the, in the government space for state government. And I'm curious about how you balance with a bunch of engineers, how you balance that tipping point where engineers or your staff are designing something that provides an operational benefit, but has security risks that are kind of on the edge of not being acceptable. How do you balance the, the real passion and push for design for operations versus the risks of um, security and cyber? Yeah, that's, that's a phenomenal question. I think that has to start with setting the culture of we are not going to accept um, new features that introduce cyber risk. It's just not, I mean, again, there's, there's always a level of risk that you will end up accepting, but, um, yeah, that security is, especially when we're designing, you know, we have a process I mean, currently where we do, you know, a project review, and then we have our, our spike meetings about the technical implement implementations. Um, yeah, all of that, uh, so there, there will be gates where if it doesn't meet a certain risk threshold, if it, if it, if it goes beyond um, what's acceptable, then it's not getting released. And I think that's also important that you know, the CISO of this organization, and especially how it is in, in my current one, has that clout to be able to make it. Because I know there are a lot of examples where security folks don't have that kind of pull. And like they'll say, well, this is terrible, um, but it still makes its way out the door. Um, I think that's also a perk of being in a startup. It's like, well, there, at least at our current juncture, like there aren't that many features. <laughs> so it's not like I'm drowning in things where I have to just kind of be like, oh my God, like, I think this is okay. Um, I'm reading like two lines of an email and I have to give an approval. Like it doesn't really work that way. 
know, we've, we've structured the program where we vet and, this, and it, it needs to, um, you know, be a proper risk threshold. And again, there might be outstanding actions where we say this is okay to release and we're, we're going to want to button it up in, in our next iteration. Um, but yeah, I think this is one of the most important aspects of the program is, is really vetting all of these new, um, you know, operational features to make sure they're, they're buttoned up. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks for uh, joining us this evening and asking your question of Jeff. All right. If anybody has any questions uh, that they want to raise, or sorry, that they want to ask Jeff, feel free to raise your hand and we will bring you on stage and you can ask your question live. If you want to ask a question in the chat because uh, you can't come up, feel free to put it there and I will read it off. Uh, Octavia, I think you had a question you wanted to ask Jeff. Yeah. So I'll pass it over to you. No, thanks, Tomas. Yes, I did. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I do realize is sometimes when you take on a position that has a lot of visibility and a lot of demand and you're speaking to executives, you always wish that you knew something or wish that you had kind of like additional ammunition in your back pocket. So, Jeff, if there was something, and, and then we, we have this open forum, right, where we're really just trying to help everybody here, like everybody doesn't know the answers. So if it was something that you wish you had when you went into this role as CISO a pinwheel or went into your, you know, first leadership position, what would that be? And what lessons do you think uh, you would have, harsh lessons you think you would have avoided had you had that information? Oof, that's a good one. That's like, uh, that's great. I feel like that's like a, you know, the quintessential you know, job interview question. And Jeff, please list your your five negatives right now. Um, no, but I think it's a phenomenal question. I think in, um, I think when I started in FinTech, I think having a better understanding, so this, this goes back maybe a few years, of of the space, um, so I think the, the day that I stepped into the role, you know, I'm armed with all of this cyber knowledge and how to protect an organization, and as we said, like healthcare and uh, media and entertainment and, and industries that I've been. But again, this was my first, you know, financial technology company. So learning the ins and outs of how payments work and how you know, I was familiar with how crypto work, but how payment rails work and ACH works and not just like, um, you know, superficial, like just like a, a one line answer, but like how it actually works, where it flows, what are the risks and who, who's involved. Um, I think that, because as a CISO, you know, I, mean, I think there's nothing worse than having someone who's dropping a bunch of like sniper things. I mean, to do X, Y, Z and install X, but like they're, they're not speaking business language. We're not talking about the risks to the company. It's more generic. And I think it just really lowers your credibility. So yeah, I think um, that is something that um, I did then and I will continue to do for just spending time really learning about the organization, the space they're in and the industry to make sure that I can be as valuable as possible again. 
No, I think that's great because it's important that, um, especially as a security executives, we sometimes think that we have to know, like our primary role is securing the industry or securing our company, but the primary role is ensuring that the business can run and understanding the business so that it can be secure. 100%. And so I think great, right? Um, so just kind of a second question there. What is the importance of kind of understanding and like when you, cause you talked about Sony a lot and then you talked about the healthcare realm a lot during this, uh, during your time on the stage here. And so coming from where you were when you were initially starting in your career to where you are now, if you look back, what are some of the things that, you know, that you have learned around business and understanding the business and not just being a security person or looking at regulations or PCI or HIPAA or something like that, but really understanding the business? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. I think it really just comes down to that business acumen, how to articulate things in the boardroom, how to speak to CEO and speak to leadership and really just be a part of that business conversation and be on that executive team. So 10, 15 years ago, you know, I might be able to be armed with in the cyber information risk knowledge, but that's very generic. And, um, I might not know how to articulate that and, and put together uh, presentations that will be consumable and valuable. Um, so I think that's definitely something in the past you know, 10 years of just kind of seeing incentives and how to ensure that uh, executive leadership wants, um, you know, to, to really uh, support the security program. And really just, and as I think I said earlier, like really understanding what the CEO thinks the biggest risks are. I think it's really supposed to be bi-directional here. It's not just one, but I think it's also, I mean, sometimes some of the most interesting ideas for securing an organization the business is like cuts come from non-technical folks and i think that's really great too so just um yeah i think that maturity through the years has been really truly invaluable as valuable i think as the you know the learning how to write exploit code and um, you know do web application hacking and stuff like that um i think it's really just that applying it to the business has been, has been really phenomenal Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Back over to Tomas. Thanks, Octavia. And thanks, moderators. So, so Jeff, look, it's, it's starting to wind down. I'm going to do a, just a quick announcement, and then I'll ask you a, a final question, and we'll, and we'll sort of bring us home. But um, just very, very quickly for those uh, for those who are curious, and who will be back here next week, we have Eon Hinchy Hinchy, sorry, joining us, who's the founder at Times. Uh, so tune in next week for that conversation. It should be a very interesting one. Uh, same date. So it's not the same date, but same, same time on Wednesday uh, next week. So, Jeff, I usually like to ask this question, and it's a reflection question. And you're not that old like me. You're not an old guy. <laughs> I don't any dad jokes today. Uh, I, I know Octavia is not mad. Uh, not, not that she gets mad, but I, she's not making fun of me for saying dad jokes. But you're not an old guy, right? You're, you're still relatively young in your career. But I think there's still opportunities for us 
no matter where we are in our life, to have a reflection moment. So I'll ask you this question, and it's a question I usually like to ask of our guests is, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to the younger Jeff, what would it be and why? That is an interesting one. Um, I think um, I would say choose your friends wisely. Um, trust your gut. Um, I think you are the company you keep. I think surrounding yourself with good-hearted, supportive people um, is definitely essential uh, to grow to a you know, successful person. Um, so, yeah, I think um, just don't don't spend time around negative people, um, and really just try and surround yourself with family and, and people that are, are going to support you. And I think that will go a really long way. That's great advice. Absolutely great advice. Don't drain your energy by surrounding yourself with negative people or birds of a flutter, birds of a feather flock together. Um, exactly. Like my, or like my mom would say in honor of Hispanic heritage month, like my mom would say, dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. Tell me who you're walking with and I'll tell you who you are, right? Surround yourself with positive people and positive things will happen. Very so nice. look, it's, uh, it's been a great show. This a uh, great show. It's been a great evening. Uh, spending time with you, Jeff, getting to know you and a little bit more about you. Uh, I'm glad you had a good honeymoon in Bora Bora. I can't wait to make <laughs> my you. way over there one of these days. Uh, moderators, any final words for Jeff before we kind of wrap up? I'll just say thank you for, for sharing your time with us tonight. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much as well. Thank you so thank much, you. everyone, for the time. This has been absolutely wonderful. Such a great program you have here. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Well, thank you. Thank you, moderators. Thank you, uh, Jeff. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening to this conversation and being part of this community and joining uh, the community by asking questions and, and making a conversation what it was this evening. So uh, if you missed the beginning, feel free to listen to the playback. It will be available in a few minutes. Jeff, thank you again for uh, for your time. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to, to spend it with us uh, and have a good rest of your evening and rest of your week. Cheers, everybody. I'll see you all. Or I'll chat with you all next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone.